The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. In a world where nothing is certain, Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. We want to welcome you to the Post-Truth Podcast. Of course, we had the Gen Zers podcast, remember that? It's still live and well, still getting lots of listeners. We had quite a few messages under that particular podcast. Anytime we break out to start a new series like the Post-Truth Church, we put it in a separate podcast playlist so you're not searching around the full library trying to find all of the messages that go directly with the Post-Truth Church series. So you just check on the podcast and find the Post-Truth playlist and you should find these messages. Even if you are an IM student, you can use the podcast, and it's extremely easy to use. It's user-friendly. We welcome you to the Post-Truth Podcast. Now, I want to ask a question, even to our local listeners. Who do you consider to be a great leader? Dr. Charles Stanley is one of my favorites. I've been kind of tracking with him since the early days, and literally have watched him guide and direct, and particularly in the early days of putting this whole in-touch system together. And now it's one of the largest broadcast Christ is Life networks in the world today. They're around us. He say, how could these people who, who are just doctrinally washed out get 10 million people to donate five dollars for a prayer cloth and get it and build amusement parks fly around in Lear jets and 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 how in the world does this happen have you ever thought of that we read of an appeal that a pastor recently was putting out to how much was the jet that he needed to have his donors cover what's that million. It's probably paid for by now. That was just a couple weeks ago. How does this happen? Leadership and submission. You see, if they have leadership and no submission, they're not going to get a single dollar bill. Leadership, submission. Whether it's used in an abusive fashion or whether it is used in a righteous fashion. It is leadership, 
and submission. Please open your wallets now before you leave the building. And people do it. Leadership, submission. I can assure you that God does not look upon those submissive sheep emptying out their wallets for this guy's Learjet. He looks at the leader. You see, the ones who are submissive, even if they were taken advantage of, are not the ones God puts the focus on. He puts the focus on where much is given, much is required. I have several great leaders in my life. Are they perfect? Are you kidding? Several of them is, they're in a dialogue with me where I am guiding, directing, and counseling them. And in others, I just keep my mouth shut. Because there's so much profound words coming out of their mouth, I am overwhelmed with being washed with the word. Can you imagine a leader who takes and taps into the authority of God, the authority of Jesus Christ, the submission of the Holy Spirit inside that leader, and the Lord speaks and it goes to Jesus, and Jesus motivates the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit generates power inside that leader. Can you imagine what that leader could accomplish? I can. I've met him. That is the most dynamic, perfect integration of leadership known to eternity. And I want some of it. No, but that's how it works. Seriously. As an illustration. So if you have a leader who does not tap into the power and authority of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a dynamic leader. Like a Hitler. Although I do believe a guy like that was tapping into a different kind of authority. So here's what our message is about tonight. We need to revive our present leaders, not just grow and establish new ones. Now, I appreciate institutions that are focusing on equipping young people from junior high, high school, college, and equipping them and setting up programs to help establish them as leaders. That is definitely a priority. But we need to tap into the existing leaders that we have in the world today. And we need to breathe a revival into those leaders. And I believe that the revival that needs to be bred into those leaders or breathed upon those leaders is the crisis life leadership principles. And that's that leader who taps into the authority of the living God. And the authority of Jesus Christ who received the authority of God. And the Holy Spirit who is required by through absolute submission. And it's through absolute submission. Stay with me on this. It's through absolute submission that power is formed. 
I pray in the name of Jesus Christ you never forget that. Power is formed through submission. If a father or a, or a husband of a head of a home speaks and the wife says in through submission, oh honey, I'll take care of that. Do you understand that is power being manifested in the wife to carry that out? That's how this works. Can you imagine a boss saying something, giving a mandate, and the employee says, yes, sir. And before that boss comes back around to check on them, the task is already done. Do you know what that would do to the heart of this leader, this boss? Some of you who are bosses are listening. And that would be your dream. Not having to face a cultural group of people, workers, that have an attitude, who do you think you are? You are not my daddy. We are up against a wall that is immovable in their culture. That is about to destroy the leaders if it has already done that. So there's very few of these leaders that you actually can put a fire under and revive them. And by the way, having the responsibility of a leader doesn't necessarily make a person an effective leader, let alone have the spiritual gift of leadership. This is a shortfall because with a little steady humility and hard work, all those placed in leadership role can learn to lead effectively, even if you do not have the gift, spiritual gift of leadership. Here's our three objectives for today. Even though indoor believers are not to put the emphasis on performance, I think most churches would agree with that, the responsibility of carrying out the leadership tasks assigned to you is imperative, whether your leader is a gifted quality leader or not. Maybe they're the kind of leader that requires fear. What did our passage from Paul tell us about those who dish out fear? What do you give back? Fear. Fear. Those who require you to pay taxes or empty your purses out for the Learjet. See how it works? It does work. It's what makes our economy work in the world today. Leadership, submission. So the three points are a great leader in history is one who is tapping in to the power and authority given to someone else, taking it in as their own, and ultimately as they grow up or grow into that, they themselves become powerful leaders. So we have to analyze very carefully what power source are they tapping into. I think all of us would agree here tonight that Adolf Hitler is tapping into the power of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that like sound crazy? Now, if you said the normal 
thing you hear about Adolf Hitler being evil. Well, why don't you take it to the next step? That Adolf Hitler was receiving his orders from Satan. He certainly was commissioned, if not anointed, so to speak, with the power of evil. The stuff that he has done. Such evil that there's a movement throughout the entire world that the Holocaust never existed, which I heard from a scientist this week. Those are two extreme cases. You have Paul in the Bible and you have Adolf Hitler. You can easily see they were tapping into a power source that was not them. But what about a mommy or a daddy? What about your boss? What about your school teacher? It makes no difference. That's why we have to talk about it. We already mentioned that leaders need to be submissive. In fact, if you're a true leader, you are submissive. The third objective is godological leadership. There's actually logic to what we're going to be talking about. Here's quality submission. Quality leadership obviously starts with quality submission. Now the term respect, how many here tonight, and I want to see by you raising your hands, if your normal modality throughout your life has been, I only respect leaders who have proven themselves to me. The norm is, I will only respect authoritative figures who have earned it. Now the problem with that stinky thinking is, is that it puts you in the position of being God the judge. It certainly erases the scriptures that we read tonight. It is not supporting what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, where he says, Servants, yes, you are a servant. You're either a slave to sin or you're a bond slave to Christ. You never did get released from the ideology of servant. Do you understand that? You're either a slave to sin, and who's the author of sin? Satan. And Jesus and the disciples used the term power of sin. So there you have it. There's the godological deduction. You have a primary leader stuff off somewhere hiding up in a tree, barking out the orders, and he needed to get that power inside the seat of man. Or he wasn't going to have slaves and servants and submissive people. Power and submission, authority and submission makes the world turn. No matter what kind of leader it is. Satan knows this. And he's probably sitting back going, preach it brother. Because that is his method of being able to function effectively in the world. He speaks, we listen. Submission. Every human being that has ever been born 
every human being walking the face of the earth today is a hundred percent submissive to some governed authority. The question that has to be asked is, which authority am I submitting to? Pick out the most strongest rebellious person you can think of in our anti-authority culture today. And they are 100% submissive. They may use the terms, I am only submissive to myself. If you're submissive to yourself, we have to ask the question, does the power of sin still live inside you? Who is the author of the power of sin? And who is the authority figure that empowers the power of sin? It's very easy deduction. Same thing works on God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit flow. You think it'd be different on the other side? Are you kidding? It's what makes the world go round. Any and all assigned tasks delegated to you by an authority figure must be completed as a primary objective to be a great leader. You see, I will never move and develop a young leader, a middle-aged leader, an old leader, if that is not being done. So I give them real menial tasks to see how long and faithful and enduring they are with that task. Whether it's scrubbing toilets or editing a book, Whatever it is, they need to be watched closely. You need to time stamp in your mind as a leader to see if this person is one of these or to see if they're all talk. Because people who are all talk typically are dangerous to your objectives. All leaders under, or should be, another authority figure which should be guided and directed by the original mandate given by the highest authority. Well, in my case, it's my board of regents. You know, the interesting thing is, is that as the president and founder of our ministry, it is my responsibility to groom my leaders to have control over me. Isn't that a little of an irony to you? That's a sign of a quality leader. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you, I was trained how to do this. You disciple your young men into becoming your board members. And in that role, in that dynamic, you watch them and observe them to see if they take on a task as a primary task and stay enduring at it until it is finished. And they bring it to you on a platter and says, it is finished. Does those words sound familiar to anyone? Who do you think Jesus was talking to his mommy? The beloved John? The Pharisees? The Sadducees? Who do you think he was talking to? 
Who was he talking to when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was a dialogue taking place between two authority figures. You got centurion and you have Jesus and you have Jesus' authority. Jesus is not the big boy on the block. He is a servant leader. So you need to ask the question, well, who's his boss? Oh no, we don't like to talk that way about Jesus. Jesus has power to do all these miracles and to speak simple words and have people's lives and minds changed by one spoken word because God the Father spoke one word and the whole universe came to be. God spoke one word and the earth was formed. God spoke one word and there was water on it. God spoke one word and there were animals. God spoke one word. All of eternity is a 100% submissive to the words that come out of the Father's mouth. And Jesus was appointed with such authority over humanoids. And when he comes in his second coming, it'll be the actions of what came out of his mouth as he handed this tray back to his father and said, it is finished. Well done, my good and faithful son. Your freedom, the salvation we saw and experienced tonight is a result and a benefit of someone who was under authority Finish the task. I believe people who do not finish their tasks and they're just filled with blah, blah, blah are actually confessing they probably do not know what true salvation is. Because there's those four elements that prove salvation. Does anyone here want to tell me what those four are? You shall know them by their By their love, you shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by their deeds. And then there's one that you rarely hear preached on. Google it yourself if you don't believe me. The fourth one you just don't hear much about. Those who, those shall be saved. Finishing the task is where the proof is of the confession. The first thing I will do with the young lady who received Christ tonight is I will give her a task as her pastor to see how faithful faith without works is life. That's our culture today. Faith without works is dead. For me to find out if someone truly got saved, I'm going to give them some tasks to do. Does this not make God a logical sense? Why would God be different? Don't give me your airtime, and certainly don't give God your airtime that you're born again when... There's no works backing that faith. And the first work that you hunt for is authority, 
submission. It's the first thing you hunt for. Can this person be guided and directed to do what the master has asked them to do? Plain and simple. Romans 13.1, if we just want to recall that from the earlier reading, it says every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities. But there is no authority. And in the Greek, that's absolute. It's covering everything. There is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Yes, even Adolf Hitler. And that's tough for us when we have such a wicked leader doing devastating things that we could say that God is still in charge. We cannot have the end of the world unless God literally uses Satan to get it done. Having a love, joy, peace world will not bring it to an end so we can have our new earth. God uses the good and the bad, the evil and the righteous, any way he desires. The origin of power. Now I want you to listen very carefully in regard to this paragraph I'm going to read to all of you. Because next week we're going to come together and we're going to talk about ancient times and ancient Authority that is actually relevant authority for today. But let's just look at this origin of power, which is what we were just discussing. God is the origin of original power and the supreme source of earthly established authority positions. It is his job to delegate authority and tasks to whomever. He determines and wills. And ironically, in many cases, the earthly governor himself may not be of God, may not be indwelt by Jesus Christ. They may be completely lukewarm and misled by someone else's mind empowering their mind. And that becomes our greatest challenge for us followers is to look at a leader who has no clue who God is or what God is. They may even make claims that there is no God. And how in the world can I submit to such an authority figure like that? Well, I'll tell you the statistics of today. The youth are saying, I won't. When I watch a young person submitting and respectfully carrying out a relationship with a very ungodly leader, I have my eyes on that young person for leadership. But if they are constantly resisting it and fighting it, and there's all these problems within the relationship, oh, I don't put them on the training list quite yet. How can you train a goat? Anyone who raises goats knows exactly what I'm talking about. 
You don't train goats. You can train a dog, but you can't train a goat. For God to use the term to separate the goats from the sheep, he's basically saying this. Listen carefully. Anyone knows anything about sheep and shepherds, you know this to be true. Sheep are symbolic of submission and group gatherings. It's the illustration of the church used to be before the post-truth era. Goats are symbolic for independent, rebellious. I'll follow the shepherd to get what I want. And it's usually some of the meat of the sheep. Because they'll eat anything in their pathway. Me, 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 me. Goats, sheep. You see, it's everywhere in Scripture what we are covering with you in this course. It's everywhere. Even though it's easy to lose a present generation student because they are well entrenched in I only respect leaders that have proven themselves to me personally. As with any quality leader, they know forming a quality society or environment for the workers to carry out their leaders' decisions becomes imperative. You don't own that business. You don't own that church. You say, well, I serve on the financial committee. You don't own that church. Look around and ask yourself a simple question. When I walk into Walmart, I ask myself the question, who owns this store? Once that question is answered, I can now ask, what are the rules of this store? And then that leaves me with, am I going to submit to the Walmart rules or am I going to submit to my own set of rules? You're going to submit to somebody's rules. If you go into a church, whose church is this? You get that solved. What rules do they have? And once you get the set of rules, you go, submit or submit to myself. It's your choice. Salvation in the pit of hell doesn't work any different. For without a healthy environment or society of corporate rules, there could be no prosperous society at all. No security, no private privileges, all would be confusion and anarchy, resulting in a chaotic government and or corporation or church. Why is our church a mess? As it was put to me today, why are we chaotic? As it was put to me today, it is very simple in my mind. 
And it comes through the definition of what we covered in this lecture tonight. I want to thank you for joining us. We are going to be picking up with ancient times and how authority functioned in ancient times. And then we will slowly but for surely move our way into the 18 qualities of a very skillful leader. And then we're going to pour Christ's life into those existing 18 items. And then on the other end of this thing, we are going to have a power-packed, spirit-led teacher, leader, preacher, prophet, all the eight occupational gifts. That's where it all gets poured out through. See you next time. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.